You know, I shouldn't be surprised by this, but God is smarter than we are, okay? Um, when we started planning for this series, hashtag 4334, the whole emphasis would be on, hey, how do we serve in our community? How do we reach out to people in meaningful ways so we can make a difference? And we thought, well, the, purpose, the perfect um, passage or the perfect book of the Bible to talk about this was the book of Titus, where Paul was teaching one of his disciples how to do exactly that in the place where he lived and where he was assigned to do ministry. And we had no idea at that time what the weather would be like in October or other things. And one of the verses that you'll hear today is from Titus chapter 3. We're going to be looking at the third chapter of Titus today. Um, Titus 3.14 says, Titus makes sure the people there um, learn to meet the urgent needs of others so they won't live unproductive lives. And today we find ourselves in a place where there are urgent needs all around us. If you've been watching the news at all, and how important it is to make sure that we respond to those things. It was just a year ago that myself and a few others went on a trip with Samaritan's Purse uh, to help clean up after one of the hurricanes in Florida. And you can see a picture here of a group of us. Uh, Samaritan's Purse is a wonderful organization that does disaster relief. They're going to be involved at the Gulf here, uh, helping people in Mexico Beach and other places clean up for the next couple of years. And a bunch of us went down to volunteer to clean up. This was uh, one of the carports that just had been torn completely to shreds, and we helped pull stuff like this to the street. We helped cover roofs with tarps and patch holes and things. And one of the neat things was is that at every place we went, uh, Franklin Graham heads up Samaritan's Purse, and so from the Billy Graham Association, we'd always be able to present each of the families who helped with a Bible. You can see that happening here with this couple. And I'll never forget, at one of the houses we went to, a woman was there. Her house didn't have that much damage, but she'd been, so, been through so much, not just a hurricane, but in the six months prior to that, her husband had died, her mom had died, and her son had gone into rehab. And when we got to her house, one of our volunteers just asked her, hey, how are you doing? And tears just came. And she said, I, I need to talk to somebody. What's going on? And that set in motion a conversation with myself and some of the other people who were there on the trip where we talked with her for an hour about her relationship with God and where she was. And we were able to pray with her and encourage her. But all those opportunities came because we'd gone to her house and were willing to serve her. If you want to be involved in life-changing interactions with people, Paul tells Titus today, make sure that you're looking for opportunities to serve others. Today, I want to talk with you about what God's Word says. And not only is it providential timing that we're talking about this, but every now and then I'll talk to people and they'll say, oh man, the Bible is just not relevant. Today, when you, we finish looking at Titus chapter 3, I mean, you're going to see this reads like a blueprint that could be printed in this morning's newspaper. And you'd say, well, that's perfect. This is what we need to be doing now. Exactly. So I'm glad to share this outline with you. This is something that God had planned for us for a couple of thousand years to hear today. And if you want to hear from God today on how you and I can make a difference right here in our neck of the woods, then get ready. He's got a word for us. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you so much for your word. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And today, Lord, you're asking to guide us in how we can make a difference by doing good and by meeting the urgent needs of others. This is a strong word from Paul, and God, we need to hear it. I pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way, and we'll leave here encouraged 
and motivated to use the things you've given us to help serve others. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Well, if you weren't with us last week when we started in Titus, let me give you a kind of a uh, running start here. Point A reminds us that the, where this letter came, it's a letter tucked away toward the end of the New Testament. It's actually the last letter that Paul wrote that we have, in, that we have anywhere of what Paul had written to anyone. And it's a letter from the Apostle Paul to one of his disciples, a man named Titus, a younger man named Titus. Paul had gone and preached the gospel on an island named Crete, and he left Titus there to train and organize believers so they can make a difference in their sinful culture. So um, if you want to know where Titus is, by the way, this is a map of the Mediterranean Sea. Here's Libya, Egypt, uh, Jerusalem, Turkey, uh, I mean Israel and Turkey and then Greece and Italy. Right over here in the middle of it is the island of Crete. It's about 150 miles long, about 35 miles wide at the widest point. There were a number of towns on the island of Crete, villages really, um, during that day. And after Paul had preached there, he left Titus there to get it organized. Here's what he wrote. And then years later, he wrote him a letter and said, Hey, Titus, this is what you need to, let's keep focused on what you need to be doing. This is a letter from Paul. This is Titus 1 1, verses 4 and 5, and then verse 12. This letter is from Paul, a slave of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I've been sent to proclaim faith to those who God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. Writing to Titus, my true son in the faith that we share, may God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior give you grace and peace. I left you on the island of Crete so you can complete our work there. The people of Crete are all liars, cruel animals, and lazy gluttons. Oh, by the way, it's going to be tough, okay? (laughs) Imagine, it's like, hey, John... Uh, sent you to Prattville. People there are all liars, cruel animals, and lazy gluttons. But don't let that deter you. Okay. Um, but if, if somebody was sent to do ministry there, you would need to know that, hey, you're going to have to win people over who may not be open to what the Bible has to say to them. This is a word for us today. We live in a world like that. And last week, we emphasized this point, and I want to emphasize this again. You can't understand Titus unless you understand this life application. God has placed us where we are so we can make a difference in our culture. All too often we can think, hey, well, John Schmidt's a professional minister. This is what he needs to, he should be doing this stuff. Well, you're going to see today that when Paul wrote to Titus, who who would be the pastor in the pastoral role there, his job was to train other people. All the teachings that are passed on to Titus are passed on to him so he can teach the people there. Because God has placed each of us in areas where we can make a difference in families where people need to see what it looks like to follow Jesus, in neighborhoods, in schools, at our place of business. God has placed us there so we can make a difference. Paul wrote the Philippians the same thing. Listen to what he said to them. Philippians 2, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. When we went on that Samaritan's purse trip, I mean, it was amazing how people began to see themselves. I talked with Mark Howard, one of the uh, members of our church who went on that trip also. I talked with him last night about his recollections. We were even talking about this woman that um, I'd mentioned just a minute ago. And he said, you know, John, when I went on that trip, I thought we were going to go there just to help people clean up. I had no idea that out of that, there would be all these spiritual conversations. And he reminded me that one of the other families we went and talked to, we gave the people a Bible. The woman had never had a Bible in her whole life. There's somebody living in the United States of America who had never had a Bible. 
And the reason she was willing to take it from us is because we'd gone and helped her clean up after a storm. She wanted to know. I mean, think of all the opportunities. And so when you hear these instructions of Paul to Titus, and Titus is to give the people, hey, if you want to make a difference on the island of Crete, you've got to embrace the fact that you see yourself on assignment from God there every day. And that brings us to point B. Paul reminded Titus that doing good and meeting the urgent needs of others are a powerful way to demonstrate God's love and make a difference. And that's still true for you and me. Hey, if I want people to give credence to anything I'm going to say, I mean, what's that old saying? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Anybody ever heard that before? Yeah. Well, why would anybody? Hey, Jesus has changed my life. How? Let me see it. And all I need to do is live out my life in front of people. When they see me making an apology, when I never used to apologize before, when they see me meeting the needs of others when I never used to care about anybody but myself, when they see me work through problems, when they see me serve others, when they see me admit I'm wrong, oh my goodness, people are going to notice. Oh, they'll notice. Hey, old Joe, he changed. Old John, he changed. God changed him. And when we serve them and help them, it's a powerful witness. That's why point one, you'll see this in Titus and elsewhere throughout the New Testament, doing good to others is not optional if we want to live out our faith. I mean, if I want to tell people about Jesus, I need to put it into practice. Talk is cheap. If you really believe this, then put it into practice. Remind the believers, these are all references from Titus 3. Titus 3.1. Titus, remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what's good. Titus 3.8, this is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. The whole point here again is, hey, let people see the love of Christ in your life by paying it forward, by passing it on. James said the same thing. He said, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. Now someone may argue, well, some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe there's one God? Well, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Well, I believe in God. Well, so does the devil. The devil's not an agnostic. He believes in God. He just hates him. And for you and me, if we're going to live out our faith in a credible way, somewhere the rubber has to meet the road. And it's not optional for us to say, well, I believe in God, but I don't care about you. I mean, elsewhere in the New Testament, it says, it says, how can you believe in the God and love him that you can't see if you don't love your brother whom you can see? I mean, it's all just cheap talk. Now, I want to clarify something here. I'm not saying that we earn our salvation or we earn our way to heaven by doing good deeds. Paul didn't say that in Titus either. Point two, we do good to others in response to what God 
in response to God's goodness toward us, not to earn God's love or his salvation. Paul makes this abundantly clear too. Listen a little more from Titus 3. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves of many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we'd done. Please underline that. He saved us because he loved us, not because of the righteous things we'd done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through his Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And because of his grace, that's undeserved kindness, he declared us righteous, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Please understand this. In fact, if you flip your outline over, John said the same thing in 1 John 4. He said, we love because he first loved us. In fact, could we repeat that together, please? We love because he first loved us. The reason I want to be kind to others is because Jesus has been so kind to me. The reason Jesus said we should forgive others is because all our sins have been forgiven. The reason we serve others is because Jesus served us. He met the biggest need we have our sins are taken away. We've been washed clean. We don't have to fear dying anymore. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out. Now, if that's good news to you, would you say amen? amen. And Jesus said, well, then pay it forward. I mean, you have the opportunities now. And Paul was reminding Titus, Titus, teaching people this stuff. Ephesians 2, Paul again. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We're not saved by good deeds. We do good deeds after we've been saved so we can reflect the love of God. We don't earn our salvation. Here's what we do earn, point three. When we do good, do good to others or good deeds, we earn the right to be heard. We don't need to earn our salvation. God has provided that for us. What we do earn is credibility with the people who don't believe in God yet. We do need to earn their respect. They're not sure. Are we just selling something? Or is this faith genuine? Our people must learn to do good, do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. Then they will not be unproductive, Titus 3.14. Unproductive in what way? Well, if we understand ourselves to be on assignment, that God has placed us here, like we talked about. I mean, none of this makes sense unless we see ourselves, hey, Jesus has saved me and he's left me here in my neighborhood, in my family, at my job, at my school, with my friends, so I can reflect his love for them. I mean, what if we thought about it that way every day? When we were on that Samaritan's Purse mission trip, we did think about it every day because we were going to people's homes. And before we started working in their home, we'd pray and we'd say, God, we're going to clean up their home. If there's a need we need to talk about, please show us what the need is. And we'd pray for them. And it was amazing how God opened up doors for us. And every single one of us, every place we went, it happened over and over again. Well, why would that only need to happen when we're on a cleanup trip? Why would that only need to happen when we're responding to a hurricane? Why couldn't that happen every day? And when you read the New Testament, that's exactly what Paul was telling Titus. That needs to be our thinking every day. I'm not just waiting around to die. I'm on assignment right here, right now. And that's why he said, Titus, remind your people of this stuff. Don't let them forget this stuff. Peter, same thing in chapter 2, 1 Peter 2. 
live such good lives among the pagans that even though they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Paul said it. Peter said it. James said it. Hey, <coughs> you're here on assignment. Live your life in such a way that people see God's love just shining out through you. And you'll be amazed at how many doors it opens for conversations to talk about what it means to come to Christ. Point four, Paul also reminded Titus, look, if you're on assignment, then don't get distracted. We must not let disagreements or foolish arguments distract or discredit us. I mean, Christians can do this too. We can forget about all why we're here and we start arguing with other Christians about stuff that isn't really important. They must not slander anyone. They must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Don't get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. These things are useless and a waste of time. People causing divisions among you, give them a first and second warning. After that, I have nothing to do with them. For people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sins condemn them. And we've forgotten why we're here. And we're arguing about what color our carpet needs to be in a church building, or if we're arguing about what kind of music you sing, or we're arguing about how much water when people use when they get baptized. I mean, Christians have argued about all these things. And people who aren't believers go, wow, I don't even get you guys. Instead, we're supposed to be meeting the urgent needs of others. And Paul says, don't get distracted by this stuff. Don't get all bound up in foolish arguments that don't make a hill of beans worth a difference. Let's keep the priorities right. And so this morning, under point C, I just want to talk about four ways that you and I can meet urgent needs in 334. Right here, hashtag 4334. Four ways we can make a difference by doing good and meeting urgent needs. Right here. First of all, we can become aware. We can become aware. Jesus went through this with his disciples over and over again. He would ask them, guys, how long have I been with you? How come you're not getting this? John 4.35, you know the saying, he's speaking to them, he says, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up, look around, the fields are already ripe for harvest. I mean, so many times we can go through our day, we can just go to work another day, live in our neighborhood another day, go to school another day, talk to our family another day, and never even enters our mind to go, hey Lord, are there needs that I need to meet? Are there opportunities I haven't seen? Andy Stanley came up with three questions or three statements. He called them not statements. He said, these are cues that, that people need help. If you're in a conversation with someone at work or at home, on the phone, and people say to you, things are not going well, they could probably use your help. Well, how would you know? Because things aren't going well. I wasn't prepared for this. That's another statement that people need help. I'm not from here. Fields are white with harvest. You see a moving truck moving in down the street. That's a cue that somebody needs your help. They're new to the neighborhood. Somebody tells you, my mom passed away. My brother died in a car accident. I've got a friend who's in the hospital. They weren't prepared for that. We need to become aware. Yeah, I was amazed when I was studying for my seminary degree, there was a chaplaincy requirement. I drove from Montgomery up to um, Birmingham uh, for 
72 hours. I was on a 72-hour call basis at one of the hospitals in Birmingham for 13 weeks. I'd be there, and they'd have a room you know, to learn the chaplain's role at the hospital. They'd give you a room to stay in, and then you'd just be on call, and you had to write up these different case studies that you went through. Anything that happened, if, so if, somebody was in, if there was a car accident or if somebody was about to die or somebody just needed to talk to a pastor or something like this, you'd go there and respond to the chaplain call, and then you'd write up all these different incidents. Well, over those 13 weeks, there were dozens and dozens and dozens of opportunities that I had to pray with people. Some of them were in life-threatening situations. Some of them were facing uh, surgeries where there was less than a 50% chance that it would be successful. Others were facing a diagnosis of a terminal disease. And I would go in and meet with people and talk to them and encourage them, listen to them for a while, and I would ask them over and over again, how can I pray for you? And I was stunned that way more than 50% of the time, probably two out of three times when I asked people, how can I pray for you? They didn't pray for the treatment or the procedure or the surgery that was happening in the next few hours. That wasn't their number one concern. Their concern was with their family. Their concern was with their friends. Their concern was, are they right with God? And when you think about it in your own life, when you go through hard times, so many times we need people to talk to I wasn't prepared for this. I'm not from here. Things aren't going well. Now, all these apply to the hurricane, to Hurricane Michael. That's all true. But they apply to so much more. We need to become aware. Secondly, we need to commit to prayer. One thing we can always do is pray. You know, this, um, Jesus had said that, you know, the saying about this in Hebrews 4.16, it says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God and there we will receive his mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. Oh my goodness, we need to come to the Lord in prayer. Well, how are some ways we can pray? Well, if we're talking about the hurricane, we can pray for leaders. Right now we need to pray for emergency workers, people, uh, the linemen who are restoring power, for people who are still searching through rubble. Do you know that there are dozens of people still unaccounted for? Right now, there are hospitals that were deeply damaged. There are nurses and doctors that are working 12-hour shifts at a time, some of them 24 hours. We need to pray for them, for policemen who are making sure think people aren't looting. Oh, we can be praying for them. But we can pray for leaders all the time when there are issues in our own community, our mayors, our school board. We can pray for healing when people are sick. We can pray for wisdom when people are facing circumstances they weren't prepared for. We can pray for strength and courage. And then you and I can pray for opportunities. Think if we just did this every day. <coughs> Lord, give me an opportunity today to reflect your love. Open my eyes. And then pray for the right words to say. Brett Wadsworth, uh, one of the members of our church, was driving down to Panama City last night, called me. He's checking on some property owned by some family members where there had been a lot of damage and they just wanted somebody to go down there and make sure what the status was. And so he was on the way down there and there had been a lot of damage and they'd been through a lot of crises. And he said, John, I was driving down here and I don't know what to say to people, how to encourage them when they've lost so much. What do I say? And I gave him some things to say and some other things. He, and he said, well, would you pray for me? And so we prayed on the cell phone together that God would give him the right words to say. I mean, so many times, I mean, this is what Paul was talking about to Titus. 
Titus, you're on assignment. Teach your people to do good. Meet urgent needs. Then they won't be unproductive. Well, I, I don't know what to say. Well, then pray. I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to him, and he answered my prayer. If that's good news to you this morning, we'd say amen. amen. If I don't know what to say, well, then pray. I'm not sure what to do. Well, pray for wisdom. I don't know if I'm strong enough. Pray for strength. And help others do the same. Thirdly, after we become aware, commit to prayer, we can show we care. When God's people are in need, you be willing to help them. Be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Well, what could we do? Well, here are a few things. We can help clean up, organize, get started. Not just after a hurricane, when somebody moves into a new house. When somebody's recovering from the loss of a loved one. We can help people grieve. We can help share resources. We can help by rebuilding, starting over, helping people reconcile. And these are all things we can do. The question is, are we willing? Titus, remind your people there on Crete, there are a bunch of cruel, angry, lazy people there. They're not going to give much credence to the gospel. But you know how you can win them over? By meeting urgent needs, by doing good. How are they going to doubt that? They won't. They didn't on Crete, and they won't where we live either. These are things we can do. 1 Timothy 6.18, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works, generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. It's one of the reasons God gives us resources, so we can use them to do good. Now finally, we can be ready to share, not just resources, but share the good news of Jesus. I mean, it's that part of being, earning the right to be heard, given the right words to say. If someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. I mean, it was easy at the Samaritan's first thing. We'd finish a job, we'd present a Bible, and we have a chance to talk. Well, it's similar in my life and yours. We help people out, and they have a chance, to, then people come up and say, well, why, are you, why are you helping me? I'm being kind to you because the Lord's been kind to me. What do you mean by that? Well, a couple of things we can tell people are these. We can share what God has done for us. Let me tell you what God did in my life. Each one of us has a story. And then we can also share promises from God's word. Well, what promises, John, what would you share? Well, right here at the bottom of your outline, I put a list of things that I keep on the inside cover of my Bible. These are promises that I share with people all the time, depending on the need. I don't share all of them. We don't do this two-and-a-half-hour Bible study or anything. But I pray about, well, what's their need? Some folks, they need to be reminded that God loves them. That lady I mentioned that had damage with her house where her husband had died, her mom had died, and her son was in rehab. You know what her big question was? It was the second one about God forgives us. She, she wanted to talk to me. She goes, do you think God's getting even with me? Is that why all this is happening? Because her view of God was God was out to get her and was getting even with her for the sinful things she'd done in her past. And now it was payday and God was loving it. Not only was there all this damage, but there'd been a hurricane too. And God was going to get even with her. I 
And do you know what I was able to share with her? Some of these things here that God loves us. He forgives us. <sighs> Tears. Titus, tell those people on Crete, they want to make a difference. They've got to meet urgent needs. You'll earn the right to be heard. Tell them about God's love. How are they going to doubt it when they see love in action? Don't get caught up in a bunch of worthless discussions that don't mean a hill of beans. Talk about the things that are important. God answers prayer. God will provide. God can bring good from even painful situations. And we live in a fallen, broken world now, but heaven will be perfect. Do you know how many people don't even know this? They don't know these things. They think this life is all there is, and they're getting the short end of the stick. And we can tell them, no, no, no. There's eternal life through Jesus, and there's new life now. And when people discover this, it's called good news. Now, I want you to know, we're not just going to talk about this stuff. We're going to put all this in practice. Can we put that, those four steps back up here, Anthony? Scott, if you come up here. Um, this is Scott Shumpert, for those of you watching online and other locations. Scott's one of the associate pastors here in Prattville. And Scott's going to be heading up all the things we do with uh, helping out the Gulf Coast. And Scott, um, we haven't gone down there yet in these first couple of days because right now that's, we're just waiting for some opportunities, right? We are. Matter of fact, FEMA is saying do not come because when you flood things, and it's not organized. All you just got mass chaos. And we want to make sure that we're doing this in a correct way. Yeah. And so we're going to work with organizations like Samaritan's Purse, with other churches. And we're going to be letting you know about opportunities where we can pray, where we can care, where we can share. Uh, we're going to make you aware of all these things. And so uh, inside the bulletin, Scott, they have a connect card. What do you want to do with we that? We do. I'm going to tell you, the best resources is right here. And it's you. And I want to tell you, some of you go, well, I don't know how to run a chainsaw. I don't know how to do this. I, matter of fact, Brett, when he went down there, I found out that he went down there to find birth certificates. Hmm. Find birth certificates. And I want to tell you, John, if they brought a said, what do you do with a birth certificate? I'd go give it to my wife because she's much more intelligent. Y'all know <laughs> what to do. We need that kind of thing. If you're willing to help when we need you, maybe for a day, it may be for two days, whatever. But if I find a need that somebody needs help, I need you to write on your card, I will help. Then on the other things, make sure that I have your phone number, I have your email address. That way, when we get the, hey, we, we've got something we need people's help with, you, we can call you and go, can you help? And if you can, great. If you can't, we'll wait to the next time. So that's the way we want to respond in this way. Also, John, I want to let you know that if you'll notice inside your bulletin, it says something about Samaritan's Purse, and it's a hurricane relief trip that happened Florence. Do you know what scares people to death? What happens is when the news leaves a place, we forget. The great news about Samaritan's Purse, they're there for the long haul. And we want to be there for a long haul because that's the way relationships are formed. And they get excited when we show up and they go, y'all didn't forget us. Some of you, you go, well, I can't do anything, but I'd love to give. Samaritan's Purse, like says, they go in there and they help these people for free. Because of churches like us giving to Samaritan's Purse, you can go to Samaritan'sPurse.org 
and actually give and be a part of, of the hurricane relief by doing that. Yeah, so, so you understand, if you give us your cell phone number, your email address, and other things, what we'll do is, and we'll do this on our website too, when opportunities come to serve, we'll send out email blasts, text blasts, and stuff, say, if you'd like to serve, here's an opportunity. We need 10 people, whatever. When that gets full, then we'll start working on the next one. And I'll also tell you that, you know what, some of you have got aunts, uncles, good friends that live in Dothan. They live in oh, yeah. Ashford, Alabama. And you know what? There's not going to be anybody rushing in there to help cut their trees and help rake their yard. But I'm going to tell you, they've been through trauma. For you, your family, some of your friends, but also your connect group, go, we're going to run there for one day. We're going to rake their yard. We're going to pick up their sticks, and we're just going to meet them and talk to them. I'm going to tell you, that would assist them incredibly. You don't have to be superheroes. You just have to be aware, and you have to be down there and really helping them in that way. I'm going to tell you, it will make a huge impact. You don't have to have an organization. You don't have anything. You've just got to be willing to let God use you in that way. So what God wants us to do is these things. Paul told Titus this a couple of thousand years ago. This is relevant today. It's the front page of the newspaper. And it's important that we respond. We're on assignment from God right where we are. We've got opportunities right in front of us. If you'll fill that out on that card and you look for opportunities to serve throughout the week, you and I might just be amazed at the conversations God opens up for us. And all of a sudden, we're involved in helping people come to know Jesus or ministering to them in a way we never thought possible. Scott, would you pray for us about that? Yeah. Hey, God, I thank you that you have given us this opportunity. And, Father, it's not just the opportunity to just go do good. But, Father, to present who you are in our lives. And, Father, we want to give you the glory. Father, I do. I pray for the leaders, the people who are literally bringing organization to this. Father, I pray that you will put wise people in this way, that we can do the most good and give you the most glory. Help us in every situation in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So, Scott's.